Hey friends, are you getting enough to eat? Not physically, although that's its own issue. What about spiritually? If Sunday morning is the only time you're spiritually nourished, you're living on a less than subsistence diet. Our guest this week says that you need to learn how to feast spiritually and she creates resources to help further your discipleship journey. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 320, Courtney Loman and Building a Culture of Discipleship. Well, hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so glad that you are here. Today, we're going to talk about a, a subject that I'm really passionate about, and I know that you're going to enjoy our conversation. Uh, before we get to that, friends, will you do us a favor? And if you're listening to this, go ahead and just share it with a friend. Like, pick out one person. My guess is when I say that, one person came to mind a coworker, a friend, a family member send them a text and say, Hey, are you listening to halfway there? I think you'll like it. It's the best compliment that you can give us. Uh, also, if you're able, I know it's, it's weird out there and there's a lot of economic turmoil. So I understand, but if you can go to halfway there, hit that Patreon button. Uh, some of you already support us and I'm really, really, um, just honored by that. And for those of you who would like to, you're, it's helping you, uh, in your journey with, with the Lord you want to support it, we would love that as well. Okay, let's dive in. I'm excited to have this conversation uh, because our guest, one of her uh, passions is something I'm also passionate about, which is discipleship. Our guest is speaker and podcast host, Courtney Lohman. Courtney, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited as well. I was recently on your show, which was exciting. And uh, you came to our uh, massive eight-hour live stream on International Podcast Day, which was fun. Massive and is a good word for it. <laughs> it was, I took, I was telling somebody yesterday, I took literally one break that day uh, oh when Brian gosh. Sexton was on. And I was like, you, you've done radio. Can you hold the fort for a minute while I go take care of myself a little bit and grab some lunch? And he was like, yeah, I got it. And Cool. Oh my gosh. But uh, that was a fun day and it was yeah. great to, to have you just share a little bit about what you do there, but I'm excited to hear more of your story. Yeah. Uh, here on halfway there. So uh, speaker and podcast host, that's pretty broad. So break it down for us. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and where God has you right now. Yeah. Well, I am a mom of two boys and they are at this point in time, five and seven. Um, so they are very busy. And so we've got sports and we've got church and we've got all the events. And then uh, my husband is an entrepreneur and owns his own business. And so I kind of hold things down here you know, at home while he uh, does a lot of his work on his businesses. I also run and host the Journey of Ruth podcast, which is something, I mean, I think Eric, you understand is a labor of love. Yep. <laughs> I've been doing it for three years now. And the podcast was created with the idea of God giving me wonderful people in my life that have discipled and mentored me. And the older I got, I began to realize that a lot of people don't have that mentorship in their life. They wish they did, but they don't even know where to start to find it. And so I thought, well, why don't I share some of my mentors with the world? Uh, yeah. You know, when I sit down for coffee with them and they're like giving me this really amazing wisdom, I'm like, can I press record like right now and just, you know, get this <laughs> right? out to the world? Yeah. And so I did. I found a way uh, through podcasting to do exactly that and share that with the world. And that has really opened up doors and opportunities uh, to speak and teach. Um, 
creating some different resources. Uh, it's, it's been quite a wild ride and God's, you know, really taken me to places I didn't think we were going. You know, I have an idea of where I wanted to go and God was like, that's great, but (laughs) we're going to, you know, take you through some other turn twists and turns. And this is the direction we're actually going to go. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm, I say I'm a full-time mom, part-time podcaster and speaker. I love that. That's perfect. Okay. So I have to ask this question. Um, okay. and I can't, I don't know if I asked it on uh international podcast day or not, but journey of Ruth, where does that title come from? So it's actually a dual purpose. And my husband came up with it. I was going to call the podcast discipleship in the desert. And ah, part of me ooh. still thinks that at some point in time, there will be a book with that title or something like that. Uh, so copyright, you know, Courtney Loman right here, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he was like, why don't you call it journey of Ruth? Uh, first of all, you've got the book of Ruth in the Bible and we see a huge, wonderful example of what discipleship can look like between Ruth and Naomi, especially when one, when someone puts themselves underneath someone in discipleship, Ruth really, she said, I want you to disciple me basically. Um, so there's that. And then Ruth is also my middle name. (laughs) So Uh people will also see my journey as we, you know, live together every Tuesday of every week. Isn't that right? There's always just a little piece of you in there. So like the show's halfway there and I tell people it's one part hat tip to Bon Jovi, which is my love for hair metal bands, you know? Uh, (laughs) I knew that about you. (laughs) and, And one, uh, you know, one part, like this, a statement about what the spiritual journey is like, right? We're never mm-hmm. actually there. We're always on that journey. And uh, so right. I love that. I love that you also were like, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of me in there. I like that. Well, cause if there's not a little bit of us, can we really be like totally honest or will we always just be putting on a show for what we think people want to see? Yes. I love that. And I love that. That's your thing. Very interesting too. Uh, discipleship in the desert. Okay. So this is, I think one of the reasons that we get along because you that's the desert is the place of like desolation, right? It's a yeah. place of feeling like maybe God isn't here. And one of the reasons we started this yeah. show is because I wanted people to know that that was normal, right? That's part mm-hmm. of it. So we'll talk about it. I want to go back, talk about your journey and why okay. that matters to you. And we'll go through all that. And then, uh, and then we'll come sure we'll end up back here uh, by the end. So okay. uh, you're, I know you're in Arizona now, but where did you grow up there? Or are you? I did. Yeah. I am. Uh, so many people have moved into Arizona recently that it's you know hard to find someone who grew up here, but yeah, I've lived here my entire yeah. life. So Arizona for me, we grew, I grew up in Iowa, but it's one of those exotic locations. My great grandparents went, you know, to like, <laughs> Hang yeah. out in Arizona, and then we go down there and be like cactus. Oh, well. All right, so I forget <laughs> that until people come and visit, and they're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, this is beautiful!" And I'm like, "It's really just dirt. Like, it's, just, it's not yeah. exciting, guys. It's a lot but of rocks and stuff." I'm sure that's uh, how you guys feel about trees. I'm like, "Look, look at the tall trees! <laughs> oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah, you know, people come to Colorado and they're like, "Oh, that's mountains." We're like, "Yeah, yeah. they're over there. They're west. It's good." <laughs> It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're growing up in Arizona. What, what was your family like? What was the, um, was it, was a Christian family? What was that? Was that like for you? Yeah. So I am a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. So, um, I actually, my dad became a pastor when I was in first grade. And so we moved from Phoenix, which is, uh, you know, our, big town here in Arizona to a smaller town North where he became the pastor of a church there. And our 
experience as pastor's kids was that my dad was the pastor of two churches in 17 years, which, you know, it was just pretty good because pastors often, uh, are in a different church every few years. And that was not our experience. And so we grew up in a small town for eight years and then moved back down. I didn't want to go to high school in the small town. I wanted a bigger town. And that's one of those things where like I prayed (laughs) <laughs> and then I told my parents, I prayed that that would happen. And they were like, yeah, okay. All right, Courtney. Uh-huh. And then like a year later, God moved us out of the small town. <laughs> wow. So my mom has always said that God often prepared her for the moves he was going to make through her children and through her children's prayers, you know, like, okay, go ahead and pray that. And then God was like, well, that's actually what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, my dad was a pastor. My mom was the music minister um, for many years. And uh, because of that, I was surrounded with ministry. And my parents did a wonderful job of allowing us to see the beauty of ministry, allowing us to see them doing ministry by bringing people into our home. Like, I don't know a Thanksgiving where we didn't have someone sitting at our table that didn't belong to our family, you know, someone yeah. in town that didn't have family to go to they came to our house. Uh, so that was totally normal. But the other thing that my parents did is with ministry, there's a lot of hard, right? If ministry wasn't hard, more people would do it. But, and that's what my dad used to say all the time. And they would, if they needed to have these hard conversations, they would go into their room and they would close the door. And the two reasons for doing that was obviously ministry is dealing with people and they never wanted to be accused of gossiping in front of their children about ministry when they needed to talk through something. Um, and number two, they didn't want their kids. It's not that they wanted to hide it from us, but they didn't. So many, uh, pastors, kids can come away from that experience being jaded because they see the struggle and they see the hard. My mom and dad were really honest about the hard and how hard their job was, but they Mm -hmm. didn't, they were like, you don't need all the details. You don't need to know just how hard it is this week, right now on this Tuesday. You don't need to know that because you don't need to carry the weight that I am carrying right now. That's not your job as my child or as a child in general. Um, And so we want you to see us doing ministry and being faithful to what God has called us to, but you don't need to carry this this struggle that we're going through. So I think that was really wise of them. Um, It also put us around adults that because my parents were on stage, we had wonderful ladies that were like, okay, I will take your kids because my mom's leading worship and my dad's sitting on stage. It was like old school, you know, where the pastor like sat up on stage, like the whole time on a throne. Yeah, not a throne. He didn't wear okay. robes, but they had like a like a tiny pew. It was like oh, okay, all right, like this little pew up there, and that's where like the pastor and then yeah. like the worship guy would sit. Anyway, I don't know why, but that doesn't make sense to me now and like the tradition. But whatever it was, and so my dad was up on stage, and my mom was at the piano, and they had three kids. So where were me and my brothers supposed to go? So we had these wonderful women who volunteered to have us sit with them and they would bring their bag of toys. Ah, nice. We only got to play with on Sunday mornings. So they were really exciting. Right. Um, and we would, uh, play, it was quiet, creative drawing, whatever that might be, but they took care of us and they gave us as we grew older advice when my parents 
maybe we didn't want to ask my parents, they were the safe, they became the safe place to go. And it's now that I realized that that was the beginning of what I would come to know as, um, why discipleship is so important to me is because my parents allowed others to come in and speak truth into my life. Um, in a way that maybe other people have only had parents that have done that for them. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes not even then. Right. So that's, yeah, true. And that, that's really a privilege uh, to have some good mentors there. So yes. I was interested in your own story with, with the Lord. You had some great mentors. It sounds like I love that you found, or I mean, you've had those people. I don't know if you found them, you, you weren't looking for them, but they, yeah. they were there for you and you were able to do that early on. But how, what was your story? So is it kind of the, you know, you were a kid and you gave your life to Christ and you just never knew a moment where you didn't, didn't believe. Uh, yeah. So I was five when I accepted Christ, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but God has given me a very clear picture and remembrance of that. And I don't know if that's just because God has blessed me with that vision or if it's because my parents have told me the story so many times. Right. And I want to say that to parents that it's important that you continue to tell your child about the day that they accepted Christ um, because it will help them remember. And when they get older and, and Satan wants to throw that doubt in their direction, which he will, uh, they're like, Nope, I know exactly what happened on that day. And let me tell you the same way you might tell your child about oh, their yeah. birth, you know, what happened on the day they were born and what you were eating and what happened when it was time to go to the hospital, you know, all of those, uh, memories and those pictures. And so for me, my parents were like, okay, you're five. Can you really understand this? And so they had asked me lots of questions and had these conversations, but they still weren't sure. So they made our pastor come over and he sit, he set me on the coffee table in front of him and he sat on the couch and he started asking me questions like, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian and uh, what, what's going to happen when you die? And I was wow. like answering all the questions and he looked <laughs> at my parents and he goes, and what's your issue? <laughs> she's absolutely ready. Why, why aren't we already doing this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know? And his parents, they were like, I, I don't know. Uh, that same pastor baptized me. And, um, when I was five and then he, uh, ushered me towards the stairs to climb out, let go of me too soon. Uh -oh. My head went under the water. I had to doggy paddle myself out of the baptistry. You got double dipped. <laughs> I know. Right. So, <laughs> and I told him that many years later, I think when I graduated from high school, I said, you know, I had to doggy paddle myself out of the baptistry. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you let me go too soon. He had no, no he idea. Know. I think he, there were like double doors. Like you came in one side and then out the other. So I think he thought he was good and had turned to like usher the yeah, next yeah. person down and had no idea. But, um, so that's my conversion story. And then I think really when I, you talk about like halfway there, that like got me, you know, to the point where I was, um, I was the goody two shoes. Like, let, let's be honest. I am a rule follower. I, <laughs> um, for me, there wasn't any like enormous, um, like rebellion or anything, but when I went to college, it was about my junior year and I was feeling really empty, uh, spiritually. I was just kind of like, eh, nothing really exciting has happened. There's been no like, uh, you know, moments of reckoning and like, there's just really like, it's just kind of, uh, as far as my spiritual life. And so one day I was spending time with God and, and he gave me this picture 
And the picture was this, uh, like a big platter. And my mom laughed. She's like, of course, God would use food to communicate with you. <laughs> so many times, right? So many times. I love food. I, you know, I am a foodie and it's all um, over scripture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's this huge platter and it, it looks like there used to be an enormous feast on this platter. And, but what I'm looking at is just crumbs, basically. I'm just looking at the leftovers. The bones are bare with just a little bit of like meat that got left. And there's crumbs where cookies or cakes used to be. And he's like, this is the food that you were given when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And if we look at scripture, it talks about spiritual milk and then, you know, the, the real um, meat, the true meat. And, and so I have been fed this spiritual food by others in my life, but there comes a point where you have to start feeding yourself. And God was like this empty platter. You have been living off the leftovers of what you were taught as a child. And you have yet to fill back up your plate. You have yet to feed yourself. And so there are no more leftovers left. You are feeling hungry and you are feeling kind of uh, spiritually apathetic because there is nothing left. And no one is else is going to feed you. You are the only one that can fill this platter back up. So what are you going to do? And that was the, you know, the day, the week that I began to kind of realize that it was now my job to feed myself. It wasn't my pastor's job, my college pastor. It was my job to make sure that I was growing spiritually. Yeah. Okay. So what's fantastic about that is there is a message in there about spiritual maturity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is what you were getting. Uh, and I think friends, my, I'm, I'm convinced that many American evangelical churches don't have a framework for this, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'll try to mm-hmm. teach it to you, but uh, it, you, it has to come to, you have to come to this moment yourself where you're like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for myself and I'm guessing, I'm going to ask you about this, be open to some other ways where that might, places that you, that might lead you than just mm-hmm. church attendance, Bible study, small group, uh, all those things are great, but they're not always the the thing. So where did that take you? What, what kind of practices, people, books did that uh, lead you into? You know, one of the things that it led to was kind of um, taking a look at all of my friendships and realizing that there were some friendships that were just completely empty. Um, we had fun anytime that we were together, but the relationship never went very deep. And uh, really, like if I thought about it, I didn't know much about them, except maybe what uh, what their favorite song was at this moment in time, maybe what their favorite fast food was and uh, like, that's it, you know, like so surface level. And I realized that probably those friends that were deeper, that actually meant more to me were the ones that were encouraging me, not only educationally, as we were in college, right? Uh, Educationally or, um, you know, individually, but also spiritually and challenging me and saying like, is what you're doing um, on a daily basis, honoring God, or are you just having fun with no substance. Um, so it definitely did change that. It also, um, I would love to say that it had like a, 
huge impact and changed, you know, the way that I was interacting, um, with God right away. And that, um, I started getting involved. I never stopped being involved. Mm-hmm. I never stopped going to church, but what had happened is once again, like you have, if you're going to pour out, you have to have someone or something pouring into you and Sunday right. mornings is not enough to, um, to feed you fully for the week. And so really what that all, what that led to was me reestablishing the importance of a daily time with the Lord. And then that led to more meaning in the service that I was doing. I never stopped serving, mm, but I was yeah. serving out of like, just almost, uh, cause I had to, you know, the service was an obligation that I knew I was supposed to do because that's what we do as Christians and I'm a rule follower. And so I was following the rules Yep. and now it had a lot more meaning to it because I had been spending time in the Lord that week. He had shown me some things and now I had something to actually like give to people. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this scripture that God showed me this week. Let me tell you about it. It fits perfect and in, perfect into what God is doing in your life right now. So it just gave me more that I could give others basically. Yeah. Okay. So did you have during that season, any mentors or, or books that were impactful for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so funny enough, I really tell people that they need to have a mentor and a disciple in their life. And yet during that season, I had someone that was sitting right there ready to disciple me. And I just like, I, I would show up once every six months and she was so (laughs) sweet to like, yeah, come on. And we'd talk about me and I know it would have been more beneficial if I had shown up on a weekly basis. I just didn't make it a priority. Um, I did have friends though. my friends, Megan and Damien, and they would just, uh, they would keep me in line (laughs) and they would be like, Hey, uh, what are you doing this Friday night? Are you hanging out with those empty friends? Are you hanging out with us? (laughs) You know? Uh, and so they helped me because I was honest with them about what God was doing in my life and how God was speaking to me. They could encourage me to kind of continue in that direction that God had challenged me to go. Um, and I think my parents were there the whole time mm, That's um, good to hear. And so that was, my parents are an encouragement to me. Um, my dad always has like, Hey dad, what's the verse that, and, mm-hmm. um, he'll always say he's not a great student. And yet that man knows the Bible forwards and backwards. Um, in fact, we have a series on the journey of Ruth where he and I do an episode based on a book of the Bible. And it's so fun because it's like I'm sitting there listening to him. You know, I haven't sat underneath his preaching for many years, but I get to sit there with him as he kind of talks about what God's doing in these scriptures. And I'm like, this is what I've been doing on the phone with him for years when I needed, (laughs) you know, advice. And once again, I wish I could push record. Well, now I do. (laughs) And it's fabulous to get to do that with him. That's awesome. See, that's what uh, podcasting is good at, right? So this (laughs) is one of the things that I actually think is uh, not well understood, let's put it that way, uh, by uh, institutional churches yet, 
is how valuable podcasting can be for discipleship, just like you're describing, mm-hmm. right? The chance yeah. to just dig into it, not just not just to study scripture, but to dig into it in a way that is conversational and where you're probably, um, I think I listened to one of those episodes with your dad where, um, you know, you're asking questions and you're, you're able to kind of formulate that yourself, which is how people actually learn, not just receiving yeah. a, a brain dump. So, uh, interesting. Okay. So take, take us what happened after that, by the way, your friends, you said their names, like they're married. Are they married now? I just had to they ask. Are, you know what? They were married. <laughs> she totally brought, she bought it. her prom dress and her wedding dress on the same day oh, wow. because they knew that they were going to get married. And of course, like, uh, as Christians, they were like, we're not going to be able to live together. So we'd be paying for two separate dorm rooms or we could get married and just live together. And so all through college, <laughs> so they were already married. Yeah, they were already married. They were the one married couple against uh, all single people. And they were fabulous. And yes, they're wonderful. And that's funny. They have kids and like a 15 acre farm. It's fabulous. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I just, I, I was curious about that. I was like, yeah, the way, yeah. You, the way you said it. Anyway. Okay. So take us from there. Where, where'd you go after that? And what, uh, where'd life take you? Um, you know, so after I graduated college, I, didn't want to go. And I got a degree in music education and I didn't want to teach. <laughs> it wasn't that I never wanted to teach. It's just that at that point in time. And so God gave me the opportunity to go to France as a missionary for two years. Um, I spent time there and our, um, as a musician, my job was to kind of uh, meet some other musicians in the area and build relationships with them, build relationships with, um, the bar and the venue owners. And, um, it was really cool. Uh, it was a great opportunity. I lived in Marseille. My pastor used to say, so you're clubbing for Jesus in France. And I, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. That gives a little, that, that, no, there's more value to it that, than that. But Yes, that is part of my job. Um, And so it was really a great opportunity that God would bring back Um, what I learned about myself and what I learned about who God Mm. was in that time. um, I saw it there, but I would I would learn later that he was really showing me more of what I would become more interested in. And that's discipleship. Um, I came home. I got married. I wanted to stay, but God was very clear that I was to come home. I got married to my husband and with the idea that, Hey, you need to know that I am called to international missions. And so we will be going to, uh, another country. And he was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You can go to another country. And I was like, no, 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 we're going to be living this. Our one time that we almost broke up was in the Georgia airport (laughs) talking about this (laughs) and a great place to have like this, like relationship ending. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm important, like, important conversation. That's yeah. Good. Right. In like some terminal in the Georgia airport anyway. Um, and so we had our first child Jackson. And then, uh, when he was about two, we decided to check into actually what it would look like to be international missions. And I thought, this is it. This is where I get to fulfill this call that God put on my life when I was like 10. That's when I felt the call to international missions. And, um, I was like, okay, here we go. So we went with a missions organization. We did, um, uh, like a introductory weekend where they introduced what it would be like to work with them. And we finished the weekend. And my husband said to me, I'm not really sure how to say this to you, 
but I don't think that international missions is the direction for our family right now. And like to say that my heart, like we still had, I don't know, like half a day left there. And he said this to me and I was just sitting like, just, I mean, anytime that, that this direction that you think you're going is completely like someone just throws, like slams the door basically and throws a wall up. You're just stunned. You're like, I don't know where to go from here. Cause this was like a full direction of our family's lives that I thought was where we were going. And now we're not. So what does that look like? And I came home from that going, God, where did I go wrong? Like, did I marry the wrong guy? Or did I hear wrong when you told me what I was supposed to do? Like, was I just a dumb 10 year old who thought you were saying one thing and you were saying another. And, um, I went to a mentor of mine and I said, I don't know what to do because apparently this isn't the direction that we're going. And she said, okay, I want you to answer this question. What is it about international missions that you loved so much? What is it that made your heart so full when you think about international missions and when you were a missionary? And to no surprise of anyone who knows me or has listened to your introduction, it was the discipleship piece. Yeah. It was the fact that every day I was meeting with people and we were talking about their journey and we were were seeing how they could like uh grow deeper in their relationship with God and we were building relationships, deep, meaningful relationships with people and that was like our goal. Our purpose in life was to develop these relationships. I didn't have the distraction of like a job or, you know, anything like that. But that's what I, how I thought of it at that point in time. And she said, okay, if discipleship is where God is moving your heart, can you not do that here in Phoenix, Arizona? And I was like, but overseas, (laughs) you know, like, I think it can happen so much better. And she's like, I disagree. And she's like, you have to fulfill your call. If your call is to discipleship, then you have to fulfill your call no matter where God places you. And I was like, okay. And that led to building a training at our church to train people to disciple. That led to the Journey of Ruth podcast. That led to me doing trainings within other churches uh, to help them start their discipleship programs. Um, It led to us as a couple, right? It's not just me. As a couple, we have now stepped into the role of disciple or couple um, as one of the disciple or couples in our college ministry. Um, And every week we have a whole group here at our house. Mm -hmm. Um, So once again, he wasn't called to international missions, but it doesn't mean that he wasn't also called to mentorship and discipleship. Um, And Two years down the road of the Journey of Ruth podcast, I was checking my stats as we do. <laughs> yep. And uh, I was checking the stats just to see what was going on. And my um, platform shows it on a world map. And wouldn't you know that as I looked at it, that the Journey of Ruth podcast has been listened to on every inhabited continent on earth. And I just heard God whisper, this is your international ministry. 
And so when my friend said to me, can you not do that from Phoenix, Arizona? She didn't know that she was speaking prophecy that you can have an international ministry and you don't have to leave your house. Oh, I love that. Yes. And amen. Yes. And amen. That is exactly what I've been saying about podcasting both. We can actually have a, a serious discipleship ministry through podcasting and through the conversations that you're having has so much impact and we can reach around the world. But one mm-hmm. time the Western church sent people around the world, right? To, yeah. to share the gospel. Those churches are thriving and booming today, right? right. Asia, South America, Africa. Today we send content. We send content, mm. we send podcasts, we send courses, we send, uh, you know, blogs and whatever it is through the internet where people can hear, they can listen, they can be encouraged, they can hear something, scripture, prayer, encouragement that they otherwise would not be able to hear without the power of the internet. And we get to slip, the, well, maybe not slip, we get to harness the power of God through the power yeah. of the internet. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. Right. Like, wow, mm-hmm. that's, that's impressive. And I love that. That's what uh, you wanted to do. What a good friend to kind of redirect you there and see maybe where God was leading you the entire time. That's yeah. really, really yeah. cool. Okay. And I do so, want to say that it's, I think it's important that we are sent, you know, I say you can have an international <sighs> ministry and not leave your house. But I also want to say that the beauty is that because I didn't go to another country Yes, the the content of the podcast is having an impact uh, internationally, but I also get to reach out to my local community right. and stay plugged in right here and stay plugged in with these college kids and stay plugged in with the young moms at our church. Uh, you know, in those different ways, I'm able to reach out in the community where I grew up in, but also still have that international uh, ministry. And the fact that both can happen at the same time, it blows my mind. And it, I'm like, God, this is a God thing for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. It's just yeah. amazing. And we get to take advantage of it. Okay. So mm-hmm. you, I'm curious, you were originally going to call your show. What was it? Uh, discipleship, discipleship in the desert. In the desert. Mm-hmm. What Was that just because you're in Arizona or was that because the spiritual desert? Well, it was partially because I'm in the desert. You are, um, okay. And, but second, it was because one of the things that led me to understand the importance of discipleship is being a high school choir teacher, which I did go back and use my degree after I came back from France. And I, I worked as a um, high school choir teacher and it was amazing to me how these students would come into my office and I'd only had them in my class for a semester and they would come in and they would sit down and they would just pour their hearts out to me. And I'm in a public school, so I can't like preach at them right? But I can certainly bring in biblical morals to any advice that I'm going to give them in that point in time. And I felt like in a way I would watch these kids there and walk walking through struggles. And then I would get to watch them after they graduated and they moved into marriage or into parenting or into single parenting when all of their, their friends were still unmarried or not interested in the parenting thing. And they felt like they were alone. They felt like they were in the desert and they didn't know where to reach out to. And so they would, they would put it on uh, social media and say, can anyone help me with this? Does anyone have an answer? And I'm thinking that's not something you just put out 
on the internet to ask questions because you're going to get a lot of really bad advice. But that's what you do when you have nowhere else to go. What I want to know then is, have you experienced a dark night of the soul? Mm. So three years ago, um, yeah, three years ago, maybe four, um, my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is brain cancer. Um, and that was a shock to us all. And she had to have, um, a brain resection. So just uh, the tumor removed from her brain. Um, they, at the same time, God was moving my parents to move from Texas to North Carolina. So she had brain surgery and two weeks later they moved, (laughs) which is crazy. Uh, and it, it was so amazing that that was the end of a season for my parents where my dad said that he felt like God had been so silent to them to give them direction. And now we look back and it's like, oh, that's because we didn't know what was going on inside mom. You know, Mm -hmm. God knew what was going inside of mom and he knew what we were about to walk into. Um, That same fall, um, my husband was fired from his job and we had been working for a year and a half towards that position. And once again, This is the direction we were going. We had started packing our house because it was going to mean that we were going to have to move. And the door just slammed in our faces. And we were like, I, what, what are, what's going on? Because this is the direction our family was going and we were all on board. And now God has completely closed the door. So mom gets brain cancer. Uh, My husband loses his job. Uh, On the side of our story, every male in my family lost their job that year which was crazy. And then COVID hit. This was all before COVID. (laughs) Then COVID hit. I was like, sure, just throw a global pandemic in there. That's fine. We're already like crazy enough over here. Um, And in that fall or in that summer of 2020, when we were all swimming through COVID, God kept bringing to my mind verses from Exodus. Uh, Or I'd be listening to a podcast and they would talk about a verse from Exodus, or I'd be listening to a sermon and they would talk. I'm like, why is Exodus showing up everywhere? And I'm like, okay, I think I need to go and dig into Exodus, which when you're looking for comfort in a dark period in your life, is Exodus really the place to go? Like, if you think about (laughs) it, people like go to Psalms, go to Philippians. And God was like, go to Exodus. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so I started reading through Exodus and what I saw was people going through the darkest time in their life and God removing them from that slavery into a desert. Once again, darkness, Mm -hmm. once again, uncertain about where their next meal was coming from. What direction are we going? Are we even going anywhere? Like, why didn't you just leave us in Exodus or in uh, Egypt to die? You brought us out in the desert And, but the one thing that we see throughout the book of Exodus was that God was faithful every single time. And I felt like that was just God whispering to me, like you guys are in this tornado of craziness and instability in your life and sickness. And I need you to know that I am still faithful in the midst of this darkness. And I will be here for you. I am leading you somewhere. You just can't see it yet. So can you just follow me and trust that I'm faithful even though you can't necessarily even see where the next step is. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So what, so what happened? Like you go through all this chaos. What was your experience with God specifically? Like, 
Well, my mom did pass away uh, two years ago, and but we got 18 months with her, which was basically the most that they said we would have. Um, and we learned a lot from that as a family. Um, we also, you know, grew closer as a family, which was fabulous. Um, my husband out of losing his job, started his own company and, um, he started, he has a landscaping company. And so he started working for himself and he now has three guys that work for him. And through that, uh, he is now able to hire uh, younger college guys and to not just provide them with a job, but also to provide them with a way to go through school debt-free. That's one of our real passions is that is to help these college students go through school as debt-free as possible. And also he's in the truck with them like yeah. every day, which is a beautiful time to mentor and disciple them. So God was like, this is great. I know you really want this, but can I show you this thing that you're going to create that I'm going to do really big things with? But I need you to, I like, I have to cut this off because you're never going to stop it on your own. Right. Like the only way that you're going to go the direction that I need you to go is I'm going to have to slam the door in your face and I'm going to have to kind of bring you to your knees a little bit. And so his business is fabulous, uh, which is great and has actually allowed me a bit of freedom to be able to build the podcast and, um, to begin speaking in churches and in women's ministries, um, as well as take care of our children. Um, and God provided that his other job would not have provided that I would have had to have gone and, um, and not, I would have had to go with a job that was going to give me a salary, not something that was as creative as we know podcasting is. And yeah, not always a, you know, like, oh yes, I make so much money podcasting. Not so much. Right. Well, we're, you yeah, <laughs> know, we're, we're getting there. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's a problem everybody's trying to solve, but we can, we can talk it's about true. that sometime. I know. Um, Courtney, so I know that one thing you're doing with your podcast is you're creating resources, right? And you're mm -hmm. giving people resources. So tell us a little bit about that uh, and and where people can find you. Yeah. So um, you can find out about the podcast and any of the resources that we create at journeyofruth.com. Um, just a few months ago, we launched Building Bold Disciples, which is actually a um uh, conference that we can bring to your church about how to build bold disciples within your church. And so that's at journeyfruth.com slash build bold disciples. And, um, the beauty of that is to get a group of people in your church that are strong believers and, um, that are ready to reach out and serve others. And, um, what, but what does it mean to disciple somebody and, and what does discipleship even mean, you know? Yeah. Um, and to be able to take that and, uh, teach that to people that will then go as second Timothy two, two says, go and teach others who will then go and teach yep. others. And it becomes a generational uh, cycle. And we, our hope is to see a culture of discipleship develop in churches across the globe. Amen. So, <laughs> so we can actually come and do a discipleship training at churches. Um, I've done it at a couple churches here in Arizona. It's been a lot of fun to see how people then take that training and just launch and just mm. go and make an impact, which is fabulous. Um, we also, our newest uh, resource is a Bible journal that I created in collaboration with my friend Valerie Pierce from Kindred and Co. And she creates beautiful 
daily planners for those of you that are organized people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And don't just throw it to your, you know, Google calendar like myself. Uh, But I, we created this Bible journal called the Bible journal for busy women. And the point here was that sometimes it's hard to have all of our different lists. We've got our Bible journal. We've got our Bible study. We've got our to-do list. We've got our shopping list. We've got our goals that we've written down. And I used to just keep them in one like spiral bound notebook. And my friends were like, Courtney, that's not organized enough. (laughs) And I'm like, sorry, that's like, I want it in one place. I don't want to want five separate, you know, notebooks. Well, that's what we created was one place where you can be doing your Bible uh, study. Uh, It's really just a journal. So you're writing down whatever you are studying that day, but then maybe a to-do pops into your head and you're like, oh, I need to go and I need to call my Nana. Okay. Do you go and call Nana right now? Like, and so you don't forget about it, or do you write it on your to-do list, which you can look back at later. So you won't forget about it. Um, there's a place for goal setting. There's a place for looking back at your week and reflecting what happened in your life, but then what happened spiritually and what did God say to you during the week? Um, so it's one place for your time with the Lord and your time throughout the rest of the day to live in you know, unity on one page. So we're really excited about that. Um, you can go to journeyofruth.com slash Bible journal, and that will, um, bring up the opportunity to order the Bible journal for busy women. It's a great gift. If you know of someone who's really trying to create these, or maybe you are trying to create, um, a pattern in your life of making sure that you're spending time with the Lord on a daily basis. Um, it's a 13 week journal. And so it's a great thing that you can use in your own life or give as a gift, um, for the holidays or birthdays or whatever. Love it. Mm -hmm. I love that. So again, uh, your website is journey of Ruth, uh, com, right? Yes. Uh Perfect. So everyone can, you can find all of that, all of those things, building bold disciples in the journal there. Uh, thanks so much for sharing a little bit of your story, Courtney. I'm really grateful for the work you do. And I think, uh, it is fantastic and we need more of it. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Hmm. I would say go out and use the gifts that God has given you to reach your community because there is nothing more beautiful and life-giving than serving other people. And it is amazing to me how, when you, whether it's you know, mentorship and discipleship or uh, serving in another way to see how your faith with Christ increases and how God uses you in a way that you never thought he could because just because you were willing, not because you did anything special, just because you held your hands open and you said, you've given me these gifts and these talents. What do you want me to do with them? Um, It's amazing to see what God will do. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel, friends, you can do it. You're called to it. You're empowered to do it by the Holy Spirit. Go and do it. Thanks for being here, Courtney. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Eric.